I love watching TikTok, and I'm definitely not anti-TikTok. Um, I just feel like if I sign up for it, I will have to wade through a lot of stuff that I'm not interested in to find the things. Sure. And I think people do a good job of curating. And so, I, I, you know, people post on Twitter and, you know, Instagram and um, or just send things to me directly. So if you have great TikToks that you think, oh, Lucas <laughs> is going to love this, definitely send it to me. <laughs> oh, well, I will. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing the first of many movie musicals this year, In the Heights. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what musical do you want to see a movie adaptation of next? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and I feel like music movie... Whoa. Movie musicals. <laughs> I almost said music musicals. Um, <laughs> movie musicals, I think, are difficult for me because there's a very specific setup that has been built for the stage. And to translate that, you need someone who's, one, interested in translating that and not just basically filming a stage production. Um, so th the director also matters to me almost as much as what musical they're actually picking. Um, that being said, I do, I am very interested in Sondheim. I think Sondheim, um, a lot of his shows are non-linear, um, which I think work best on stage, uh, but could be interesting in a musical, so, I mean, in a movie format. For me, something like Sunday in the Park with George um, is probably the best one, but I honestly, my my real answer is going to feel very basic, but it's, it's, it's Wicked. I think, <laughs> I think Wicked is kind of has the storytelling um, function already there enough to make it a very simple music musical to adapt. Um, and I think it's a, it's obvi it obviously would be a huge hit. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Well, I think it's coming soon. Um, I think Wait, is it really? Chu is set to direct it. Oh my gosh. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, and yeah, Wicked is a great choice because not only is the story kind of already great for a movie, but it's also there's so much opportunity for such great visuals, right? That yeah, yeah. It's really ripe for that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, I think, a very decent answer. My name is Sandra Amstutz. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm a big fan of a jukebox musical. And there is one in particular that I saw a few years ago that I just really warmed to and I think could be really cool to make in a from a like 2020s lens. Um, and that is All Shook Up, which is an Elvis jukebox musical. <laughs> it's set in the 1950s. I grew up watching Bye Bye Birdie in Greece. So like I really have an affinity for that kind of 1950s musical aesthetic. Um, but this is, you know, the music of Elvis. And the story also has kind of a fun... Mulan-esque love story to it where there's some you know a little bit of cross-dressing and I think that if you told that kind of story in 
the 2020s, um, you could have some fun queerness to that, that maybe the original musical didn't intend for. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I'm really fond of it. Plus, that everyone knows all the songs already. And so that you know, that's true. always fun. That That's always good in a movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, well, we're going to talk much more about mu- musicals and movie adaptations later on in the episode. But before we do that, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Okay, I am feeling a movie that I am recommending with caution. (laughs) I think this is a movie that isn't for everybody. Um, But I just rewatched for the first time since it originally came out like a decade ago. um, Steven Soderbergh's Haywire starring Gina Carano. Um, This is a great time for Gina Carano right now. Um, She's doing a lot of really good stuff on Twitter. Um, No, I'm joking. She's terrible. I was going to say, I I was like, Lucas, I hate to bring it to you. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, she's terrible. I think she's an anti-vaxxer. I think she's... She's also a conspiracy theorist. There's a lot of there's a lot going wrong um, with with her at the moment. <laughs> but in 2011, uh, this was her first movie coming out as an MMA fighter. Coming out as an MMA fighter, she didn't come out as a she coming out of the ring um, from being an MMA fighter, getting into Hollywood. Steven Soderbergh cast her as a black ops operative who ends up is being betrayed by her employers and. Um, is part of a you know conspiracy that she has to unravel, and which is all very classic um, you know spy movie stuff. But I think what is really interesting about this movie is kind of the way that Soderbergh uh, builds this movie a lot of like like his other movies. It's very quiet. It's very calm for the most part um, for a you know spy action movie um, until it get, until it's not. I think the fight scenes in this are absolutely fantastic. I love everything about every action beat in this movie. Um the choreography is amazing and the interesting thing about casting Gina Carano is you can you can really go hard on some of this choreography. Um cuz she's she's a great fighter and honestly her choreography is fantastic. I think um this is some of the best fight choreography that I've seen in a very long time. Um, you also get a very unusual cast in this movie for the kind of the roles that they're playing. I think it's very fun. You get uh, Channing Tatum. This is pre Magic Mike. Um, you get Michael Fassbender, uh, pre basically everything. Um, Ewan McGregor, Bill Paxton, um, Antonio Banderas, Michael Douglas is in this. I it's just a really interesting cast, and I think a very interesting take on a spy movie. Um, the score is done by David Holmes, who you know did uh, the music for Out of Sight and Soderbergh's Oceans movies. So you get a very interesting um, kind of like big band <laughs> themes for a lot of the this movie which feel like they actually work in this environment because it is a lot of um you know grand uh you know you know dress up events or you know kind of scary chases and stuff like that that actually fit into uh i think the theme in in ways that we haven't heard before um besides like the generic action you know born music and stuff like that but i think yeah, the fights are very realistic. I think this movie is very shaggy as well. So I don't necessarily think that this is perfect. Um, I think he's very lean on um, kind of his uh, his view of the intelligence community and kind of the 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 stuff that happens there. It's a lot of, a lot of hand wavy of uh, everything will be fine. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> this is this is all normal and good. Um, but I just think it's beautiful. I love kind of the way that this movie is put together, and it's unlike other action movies that I've seen. Um, and so I would say 10 years later, it still holds up. So if that sounds interesting to you at all, definitely watch this movie. You know, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about Steven Soderbergh in a, in a moment. And I just mm-hmm. want to say I'm I'm on a I'm not on a kick in that I've started watching his movies lately, but I've been in the mood too. So this was this recommendation is just like perfect yeah. timing for me. Yeah, it's very it's a very easy watch. It's very fun. I would I would definitely do it. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Lucas. Um, you know, you just recommended like a, a really interesting movie that maybe like a lot of people haven't seen yet, but that should revisit. And during this feeling it section, I often try to bring like a really cool TV show or movie or sometimes, um, you know, a book or a song. And I, I really want to make these recommendations, you know, relevant and full. And then there are other weeks where, <laughs> where I just don't have anything. And then I start to really kind of get a little creative and think, like, what are the little silly things on the Internet that have been bringing me a little bit of joy recently that I could maybe recommend instead? And this is one of those weeks. So this week, what I'm feeling is a TikTok account um, called Opening Credit Challenge. And all it is, is the first 15 to 30 seconds of the opening credits of movies. And your job is to try to guess what the movie is as fast as possible. And sometimes... It's incredibly obvious, you know, like you see the director's name very early or you see a lead actor's name very early and you immediately know like what this movie is. And sometimes it's really, really tricky. And (laughs) I'm having just as like kind of a film nerd, um, a really fun time watching these barely first seconds of opening credits and and trying to guess these movie title names that's that's all i'm feeling this week right now that sounds like a lot of fun i love like putting you out of context and trying to just kind of figure out what's going on and what's what (laughs) what movie that is i feel like that happens a lot like when you're just well i i don't do this anymore but when you were just like scrolling through tv and like something would be on and like quickly trying to figure out okay what movie is this who's in Mm -hmm. in this movie like that kind of thing it has that vibe that um i haven't done in a long time so yeah with this particular the way that they format this is the opening credits it's like the very first like from the studio logo so yeah you're really you really don't have a lot of time or a lot of context other than mostly music and then maybe like what the 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 logo looks like in that era sometimes and then maybe you get a director credit or a visual to start with um it's the kind of thing that if you and I Lucas lived in the same city and you me and Lawson and Brent were like all over at the house just hanging out I would throw it up on the TV for us all to play around of you know or yeah that's like a great up. great group game for yeah. sure yeah that's awesome. Anyway, so that's one of those things where um, I started following them on TikTok, and whenever the videos kind of pop up in my feed, I get a little thrill. Um, so if you all are looking for 30 seconds or 15 seconds to kill in your day, um, <laughs> that's what I recommend. Their username is, again, Opening Credit Challenge. That's great. What is it? You're either in or you're out right now. Our next segment is something that we call In or Out. It's where we talk about some recent movie trailers that came out, and we decide, based on the trailer alone, whether we are in or out on seeing this movie. So we're going to start with um, another movie musical that is coming very soon this year. 
Um, it is called Tick, Tick, Boom. It is a musical by Jonathan Larson, and who was the creator and writer of Rent, um, and who died tragically young. And it is the directorial debut of Lin-Manuel Miranda. So, Lucas, how did you feel? It's, a, when it's, it's sort of a semi-autobiographical um, story about Jonathan Larson as a playwright. Um, so, Lucas, how did you feel about the Tick, Tick, Boom trailer? I loved it. Um, obviously, Andrew Garfield's amazing. Um, I think this is – I mean, it feels very – you know, rent like the, the, you know, the style, the music, stuff like that. Um, I'm very interested to see Lin-Manuel Miranda direct a movie. I think that'll be interesting. I think this is an ambitious one to start off with, <laughs> um, to just jump right in and be like, I'm going to do this movie, which is, I think very fanciful, very, a lot of like, you know, visual effects, a lot of, you know, singing and stuff like that, which I think is difficult. Um, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm extremely excited to see this. I, I, think andrew garfield's amazing i cannot wait um for him to you know finally get his oscar moment (laughs) i don't know if this is going to be it but i i just will watch anything that he's in you know i've kind of given up on the andrew garfield race and i didn't even think about that being something that could be relevant to this film yeah it's that's a that's a really interesting thought you know as an as an andrew garfield devotee um (laughs) of course i loved this trailer i think it features him heavily and it looks really exciting it looks you know after we're gonna we are gonna talk about in the heights soon but after seeing in the heights and seeing this um film that's like really all about music and new york city tick tick boom the trailer kind of felt right up my alley you know just oh Mm -hmm. another just more of this right um the the hustle and bustle of new york as well as with this film it looks like kind of a delve into the psyche of the creator, right? And the creative process. And yeah. Um, yeah. The, you know, the opening shot of this trailer where it's just Andrew Garfield singing to like a, a group of friends. Um, I, that could have been the whole trailer, honestly, if they had <laughs> just shown that and it was like a 10 second teaser, I would have been like, great, I'm here, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think this is a great trailer. I'm I'm really really excited about this. I'm ex- but to be fair, I'm excited for Andrew Garfield whether he's doing something really weird or really prestige. It doesn't really matter. So this is just more of that. Yeah, um, I yeah. Can't wait. I'm really pumped about it. Okay, so the next trailer that I want us to talk about, um, we spoke about Steven Soderbergh a little bit earlier, but there is a new Steven Soderbergh movie coming out very soon. Um, called No Sudden Move. It stars Don Cheadle, uh, and it's about um, kind of a, a crime ring and possibly a hostage situation. Um, it has a really stacked cast. It has Brendan Fraser, um, David Harbour, Benicio Del Toro, John Hamm, Kieran Culkin, just a lot of people that I love to watch. Um, did you watch this trailer, Lucas, and how did you feel about it? 
I did. Absolutely. I feel like this trailer came out so long ago um, that I feel like we talked about it last time. But when you added it to the list, I was like, oh, yeah, it, we have not talked about this yet. <laughs> I love this trailer. Obviously, I'm a big fan of everything Steven Soderbergh does. Um, but um, I'm also interested in this is written by Ed Solomon, um, who did Bill and Ted movies. He did the Men in Black movies. Um, he did Now You Now You See Me. Um and so I I just it, it it has a vibe that is very Steven Soderbergh, but I think there's also a little bit of a um kind of a, a fun fantastical element to it from the trailer that that um not not in a uh, like sci-fi way, but just just in a um I th- I think it's going to be more fun and less dark um mm-hmm. than I think the trailer itself shows um the, i mean the cast alone i love seeing kieran culkin in something besides succession because i feel like totally. that's that's where he's <laughs> he's been sitting for a while um so to get him kind of out of that into kind of a, a period piece sounds a lot of fun um obviously love a big criminal movie <laughs> so i cannot wait i've watched this trailer so many times already yeah and this trailer is pretty funny for yeah what I think the aesthetic looks like this dark criminal film, but the tone of the dialogue seems really, really funny and absurd. And um, there's a shot in this trailer where it looks like one of the kidnappers and the hostage are both looking out a window at someone else doing something in a way that really had me excited for how this film will be tonally. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm so down. I believe it comes out July 1st on HBO Max. So I think so. It's coming yeah. really soon. I'm excited about I, I, this. Also makes me wonder how you feel, Lucas, about this kind of new trend of in the streaming era of we're going to show you a trailer and then this movie is coming out in three weeks. I like it. <laughs> I yeah. think especially. Especially for, um, like, at-home releases, if it's going to be streaming. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no need to get people hyped in advance. There's so much else going on. Yeah. So if you can show me a trailer, get me hyped immediately, and say this is coming out, like, next week or something like that, that's going to be – that's going to do more for, for me than I think, you know, saying this is three months away. You know, keep that hype going this whole time. Right. So. I'm trying to think other than this film where that has played out in a – positive way for me you know what yeah because the examples that are coming to my mind are movies that the trailers didn't look good and it felt like the studio thought this is a movie that we meant to open in theaters but it is not good we're just gonna push it to streaming wait till the last minute to put the trailer out yeah Um, all all the movies that went to streaming that weren't planning on going to streaming i feel like don't uh, that none of the trailer situations worked out for them. But I think, I think the old guard was one that like the trailer came out probably like a month before it came out. That's true. Um, and, and so the, I, I think, but Netflix had kind of that strategy of, there were a couple movies that they were putting out, like some of their big, more fun movies yeah. um, where the, the trailer dropped and we were like, Oh, I didn't know this was a thing. And now I'm right. very excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> so. that, that is true. The ones I'm thinking of are the Anne Hathaway, she would tell you, you do a four, heist movie that came out yes that's right there I, which i didn't see um and then also it wasn't great <laughs> very recently that mark Wahlberg infinite movie oh, 
yeah. that I've heard is incredibly bad, and that trailer yeah. like just came out right before it was released. Yeah, that's a movie um, that I think went straight to Par- Paramount Plus. Yeah, um, but I think was plan- that was the one that was actually planned on going to theaters. But they yeah. kind of it sounds like Paramount would like that movie to disappear as fast as possible, which <laughs> exactly. is why they released a trailer like a couple days before the movie came out. I think so. you know it is an it is an interesting era for movies that studios want to disappear. You know, yeah. and yeah. the ways that they're making them disappear. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, there's one last trailer I want us to talk about before we talk about In the Heights, and that is for – it is called Roadrunner. It's a documentary about Anthony Bourdain, um, and it is a documentary made by – I think their name is Morgan Neville. Let me take a look at that. Um, it's the director who made 20 Feet from Stardom and Won't You, Won't you Be My Neighbor, two documentaries that were big crowd pleasers and really critically acclaimed has now made an Anthony Bourdain documentary. Um, and this is a trailer that I, I didn't know that this movie was coming out. I saw this trailer and immediately started crying. Just like I cried throughout most of the trailer. It really hit me emotionally. And then later on, I was able to rewatch this trailer with a little bit of a clearer head. Um, and I just think it's a magnificently crafted trailer. Anthony Bourdain is someone that I am very fond of. I, I think his outlook, his personality, his charm, his humor um, are all things that just like leap off the screen no matter what project he's involved in um or he was involved in and so and this trailer to me kind of seems like a little message in a bottle from beyond with um about his life but also you know the trailer has a lot of him speaking about himself and doing a lot of narration um, I'm fascinated to know the conditions under which this documentary was made. And I also want to know what you thought of this trailer and th- if this is interesting to you. Yeah, I absolutely love this trailer. I think An- Anthony Bourdain, who passed away in 2018, um, I think is someone who everyone admired. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's. He, I think he was one of those fascinating pe- people who, like, was very um, – out there and you know said what he thought and was i think a, probably a, a you know pretty abrasive person in person you know um uh, and yet was very kind and compassionate and um people really loved him and i think for me seeing his um like i didn't grow up obviously knowing him as a chef i mostly grew up knowing him as a um, as a travel person. So, to, you know, his show, no reservations, talking about food, talking about, you know, locations around the world, stuff like that, um, was fascinating to me. And I think really influenced a, a lot of how I think about travel. Um, but I think this documentary getting into his, you know, his life, his mental health, a lot of the, I mean, there's so much footage of him anyway, that like being able to put this together seems like a huge feat, but also, um, a really interesting, not just to talk about his career, but actually talk about him as a person and kind of what, what his life and um, the work that he did meant to him and uh, everybody close to him. So I, this to me is immediately sounds like something that's going to win all the Oscars, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but also um, I'm so interested in, I really cannot wait to see this movie. Um, Is this in, I I know it's in theaters, right? Yes. This is in theaters. I believe it's July 16th. I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, I'm excited to watch a documentary in a theater. Just that alone <laughs> is exciting. That's true. Um, but yeah, this this looks like one that you you make a night out of because I think yeah. it's going to be really really special. For sure. All right. Are you ready to talk about In the Heights? Yes, let's do it. This is a block in the Heights. I hang my flag upon this place. In the Heights coming. We were both highly anticipating it. And I can, I'll speak for myself. Um, this was probably the summer movie I was the most excited about. Um, I knew it was coming early in the summer, so it would feel like this return to theaters. Um, I love movie musicals. I love musicals in general. And this particular one looked, the trailer was amazing. I like Lin-Manuel Miranda. I was really, really excited for this movie. I'm assuming you felt similarly. I did, yep. Just as hyped. <laughs> <laughs> did you go see this in the theater, or did you watch this at home? I watched it at home on HBO Max. Really? Um, yes, I did. <laughs> so what I've, led to that decision? Um, so we were partially out of town um, f- this weekend, and so we, we this was our, our 10th wedding anniversary, and so oh. we did kind of a, a staycation here in Chicago. Um, and so we kind of had like the whole weekend planned was, it was, you know, back to back everything. And we got home on Sunday afternoon and it was like, do we want to go out again and watch this movie? Or do we want to just sit on the couch and watch it on HBO Max? And we chose to watch it on HBO Max, which I think was very fun because you got to like kind of sing, sing along and just Mm -hmm. kind of like, I mean, it's also a long movie. So like pause it and get snacks. And like, (laughs) so I think, I think it it worked out perfectly for us. I also think the theatrical experience for this would be a blast seeing it with a ton of people. I'm I'm actually excited that we'll have two different perspectives, someone who saw in the Heights in theaters and someone who saw it at home. And we can maybe compare like those reactions. Were you familiar with this musical before seeing the film? Um, Did you know any of the songs? Had you seen a stage production? What was your history with this? Yeah, it's a great question. I didn't know much at all. I'd um, obviously I knew Hamilton, (laughs) Um, knew Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, And so I had gone back after after Hamilton, I'd gone back and started to listen to In the, in the Heights. Um, didn't love the music as much as Hamilton, and so immediately went back to Hamilton. So I think I've listened through like half of In the Heights before, but I didn't read up on it or anything like that. So coming into this, I it felt completely fresh for Got me. It. I had never seen or listened to any of the of In the Heights. I I'm as much as I like musicals, I don't really. It, seek out new ones or um, listen to cast recordings for shows that I haven't seen before. Um, I really like to experience musicals as a whole and not in parts. Yeah. And so I had seen um, a clip of a high school production. Um, <laughs> the, one of in, in my, you know, I grew up in South Texas and my sister works with um, theater productions down there. So does my mom. And um, there was a, a high school production that they made like a little kind of um, they did a production and they made this little tiny short film of them singing the opening number, like in the streets of my small Texas town. And so um, real, very charming. And so I, I'd seen something like that. And that was my only real, real taste other than the trailer 
of this show. So I kind of went into it completely blind. I did go see it in a theater, and I want to talk about my theater experience just a little bit before yeah. we go. We talk about the movie. Um, I so excited for this. I was like, I'm seeing this opening night in IMAX. And <laughs> that is a very specific crowd that goes to In the Heights opening night in IMAX. Yeah. Technically still during a pandemic. You yeah. know, that that's a certain subsect of, of people. And I found that sitting directly behind me was a large group of preteen girls just (laughs) very very vocal group that were putting seat their feet up on the seats in front of them which was right next to my head and they were very interested in clapping along to every song um and in a way that was both annoying but also charming because it was charming to be back in a theater and be with an audience that was enthusiastic and excited to see what we were all about to watch together. Um, and so there were a few other things about my theater, my theater experience. I'll talk about more, but overall I was, it was a, it was a nice welcome back. I, it was my first time in the theater, but it kind of felt like it was because of the audience experience. Yeah. I, that, that's something that I, (laughs) both look forward to and are also very uh wary of going back to the theater for for a new big movie is you don't know what you're going to get audience wise like you like it it can be it can be very fun it can be very exciting and you can get people who put their feet up on your seat so totally and there was a a guy next to me who was very unhappy with the girls behind us and who was (laughs) grumbling about i didn't pay all this money to you know have this experience and I kind of, I, I felt similarly at times, but there's also a part of me that's like, yeah, but y- you, you have to take that with what else that is part of the theater experience. And in a, sometimes you get the annoying behavior, but then you also get the pure audience reaction that you can never recreate at home, you know, yeah. uh, that it's its own magic that is, you know, very singularly experienced in a movie theater. And that is something I, I'm not ready to give up yet. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so let's talk about what did we think of In the Heights? Lucas, how are you feeling after seeing it? And what did you think? I think I feel similarly about this movie as I did to Crazy Rich Asians, um, the last movie that John Chu did. Um, I thought it was so much fun. It's such an enjoyable experience that I will absolutely watch again. Um, as far as quality, I think this is visually one of the best um, adaptations of a music mo- a movie musical. I think the way um, they incorporated not just the dancing, but also I think a lot of the the visuals that would have been done in the stage production. I think we can talk a little bit more about that in spoilers, but a lot of the more fantastical stuff that um, doesn't feel like people just dancing in the street, um, you know, uh, which ends up being a lot of visual effects, <laughs> um, yeah. I think are just so captivating. And so there, I think there was usually in musical movie. Oh my gosh. Why am I doing this? Musical <laughs> movies, usually in movie musicals, um, there ends up being a couple songs that just, uh, feel boring either because the song is kind of a downbeat song and they're not doing anything interesting with the camera. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, normally on stage, you know, you would be entranced by, you know, the actor or actress doing, 
something um, that is just engaging, even if it's just them on screen. But that just doesn't translate the same way on film when it's just one person singing or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they do just a really fantastic job of integrating a lot of the visuals that you can only do in movies um, with these songs. Um, And so I absolutely love the visuals of it. I think story-wise, this to me feels a little bit... uh, a little bit all over the place. I was not fully invested in the the main uh, romantic relationship in this movie, mm-hmm. which I was surprised by. <laughs> um, but overall, I don't think that took away from any of my enjoyment of this movie. Um, I just think emotionally, it didn't hit me as hard as I thought it was going to. But I love this movie. I would recommend it to everybody, and I will 100% be watching it again. I, I'm excited to hear you say that. Um... I, when I first, the first time I, so I've seen this movie twice now. Um, the first time I watched it in the theater, I, as soon as it started, I started crying. And <laughs> Lucas, I cried, I would say 75% of this movie. <laughs> I, I think I wore my mask during half of it. And then the other half of the movie, I was using my mask just to like soak up tears. <laughs> literally i'm not that's not an exaggeration um i cried so much while watching this movie and i i do want to say that it's not the movie does make you emotional there's emotional Mm -hmm. beats in the film but i do think it was more of the sum of what i was watching and then also just like the the past year you know has been an emotional year and to be in a big movie theater an imax movie theater with an audience to be watching a musical which just like any musical i think already makes me a little emotional you know just Mm -hmm. (laughs) just in general um and then also specifically this musical which is just this celebration of people being with each other in very crowded public scenarios um, after the year we've had just really, really hit me hard. And so whether the song was like funny or emotional, I was crying. And um, I just, I had this amazing experience watching it the first time. Um, I was in awe seeing John Chu's direction on an IMAX screen was something that like I I think everyone should get to experience. It was probably one of the best IMAX experiences I've ever had, you know, way better yeah. than any Marvel movie or, you know, Christopher Nolan film or Star Wars movie. This was this is the kind of movie that I think needs to be seen in an IMAX theater. And, and I, I say that not meaning that like people can't watch it at home, but meaning that of all the types of films that we're showing in IMAX, these are the types of films that I really love having the opportunity to see this way because he takes advantage of every second on screen and gives you something to feast upon with your eyes. Right. He, yeah. Um, I have been a fan of John M. Chu since he was directing the Step Up movies, which you see yeah. a ton of that influence here mm-hmm, because definitely. those are, I, I believe, mostly New York films um, about dance. And this movie, I it was such a relief to see a musical that really embraced dance and didn't just have like a few dancers doing a little number or 
um, just kind of, or like one big dance number in the whole movie, every single song in this film and every single background actor was able to incorporate dance. And it was thrilling to watch. I, I've, I've never, you know, we watched, after watching In the Heights, I was in the mood to watch Chicago because I was thinking like, what other big movie musical adaptations have I considered really successful, you know? Um, and Chicago is on that list for me. And very, and it was very interesting to see the similarities of the way Chicago, you know, uses dance and this one uses dance. And I don't think that there has been a movie musical since Chicago that has thrilled me as much as this one from a dance perspective. Um, and so, yeah, the visuals, not only the dancers and the choreography, but the way that I... I'm, I consider myself a maximalist, and I like that John M. Chu doesn't is going to try every trick he can think of. Um, I like how ambitious he is. I will always prefer movies that are ambitious that might fail in certain areas than movies that don't try. Um, and this one, you can never fault it for not trying. Um, yeah. So I, I had a thrilling time with this movie. I think I watched it. You know, once I left the theater, which, by the way, was a really cool experience because it was fun to hear people talking at the, about the movie. Mm, yeah. It was, I went into the parking lot and it was, you know, late at night and a different group of, like, late women um, were in the car just driving around the parking lot with the windows down playing the soundtrack and singing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And it was just things like that where you're like, oh, this is what I've been missing, right? Um, yeah. I left that screening and thought like, well, I just had an amazing movie experience and I really can't judge how good the movie actually is because <laughs> how like yeah. emotional and thrilling I found that, you know, watching it, I'm like, well, it's winning best picture, you know, like that's my immediate <laughs> reaction in my head as I was caught up in the film. So the next day I watched it at home. Um, and I, I kind of like half watched it. I kind of fast forwarded to, uh, I fa would fast forward through parts that I wasn't as interested in and, and watch the parts that I was. And, I do think I agree with almost all of your critiques of this film. I think story-wise, it's there are parts that are a little less interesting or a little bare. I think the romance is not does not really grab me. The main romance yeah. between um yeah. the the main character and and his romantic interest. Um, the, there's another romance that I do find a little bit more charming in this. Same. So that's a, a little disappointing. Um but very easy to forgive in my mind because of what this movie provides visually, um, emotionally, and just to be, to get a view into, you know, a very specific New York Latinx community is, is thrilling and warm and lovely. And I just, I was so caught up in all of it. Um, so I'm a huge, huge fan of this movie. I think if you have the opportunity to go see it in a theater, you should, because I think it's really, really worth it. Um, I think it has its faults and times where it is so ambitious that, you know, not every single thing works, but I, I can hardly fault it too much for that because of what a great experience I had. Yeah. 
For sure. Um, I want to talk about some performances specifically that really blew me away before we get to spoilers. Did you have any that really stood out to you? Um, Obviously, Anthony Ramos. Um, Yeah. He's... (laughs) He's so good. <laughs> um, uh, he he was in the main cast of Hamilton. He played uh, John Lawrence and the son. Uh, yes, the son Philip in 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 the original Broadway cast with Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, I think it's very exciting for him to get this role. This was obviously a role played by Lin Manuel in the st- in the stage version of it. Lin Manuel is definitely too old for that now. <laughs> um, so Anthony Ramos is perfect for this, and I think putting him in here um, is just giving him. Um, a green light from here on out to just go and do many, many more things, which I think he can do. He's so talented. Um, I thought Lin-Manuel's part in this is exactly what I want from him yeah. in fu- in the future. Um, <laughs> just a small kind of fun part is great. He is not the greatest singer, which he knows, um, but it's it because he's who he is, he ends up being uh, a bigger part of things, I think, than he should be. I thought he the Mary sounded Pop. great in this. He sounded great, absolutely. I think, mean, I think, I think part of it is because he wrote <laughs> all the music for it. So, like, this is kind of his forte. Whereas I was just in my head the whole time I was thinking of Mary Poppins, yeah. where I feel like he just he doesn't fit that role. He's um, he's not a, as good of singer as someone who should be in a lot of a lot more of those like leading roles. Um, but I, I I loved him here. I think Jimmy Smith's is perfect for this movie um him playing um an emotional dad is just ooh, it gets me uh, <laughs> and then i think Corey hawkins really stood out to me as very surprising i mean i'd seen him in um i think a couple things at this point but his singing was fantastic his he was so charming in this movie mm-hmm. i was extremely impressed by him and cannot wait to see him in uh more things please sing again yeah i mean that's another thing about this specific adaptation is as I was watching it, it was like, wow, this is how good a musical is when you cast people that can really sing and yeah. not just celebrities that can kind of sing, you know? Yeah. Um, I th- it was thrilling to hear like t- hugely talented voices. Um, I want to talk about who I think is the breakout star of this film. The per- the actor that I could every moment he was on screen, I was like, wow, this this actor is going to go far. And that's Gregory Diaz, who played Sonny oh, yeah. Cousin. I was so enchanted by his performance. I thought he was so compelling and funny. And he gets that standout moment um in the ninety-six thousand musical number. Yes. <laughs> um, I just and he he just truly brought such a light in all of these like comedic asides that the, that the movie uses with him that I just, I thought this kid's a star and I can't wait to see more of him. Um, Definitely. I also really, you know, again, I want to speak about kind of characters that, you know, I think all the main cast is great, but um, Stephanie Beatrice Play, Beatrice plays <laughs> Carla, one of the salon ladies. Um, yeah. You know her from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Another like character who doesn't have a ton to do in this movie story-wise, but every moment on screen, your eyes are drawn to them. They were, she was always making me laugh. Um, I really, I think 
when a character or when an actor can like really draw your attention in that way um, and brighten up those scenes is I think super super special. Yeah. Um, the the more that she can be in i think gets her closer to her uh <laughs> i need her to get an oscar for my short-term 12 uh you know full <laughs> right. bingo set right. so so yeah the more she can be in the better i think <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely um I, I yeah i think she's super talented and super special um she has a scene in the film that has that is really big on tiktok um oh and yeah, I'm very excited to later, hear which scene. It, you know, so she, I think she's getting called out for for bring, being the bright star that she is. Um, yeah. And then, of course, like I think, without spoiling too much, the performance that blew me away the most and that had this like one incredibly amazing scene was Olga Meredith, um, yeah. who plays Abuela Claudia. Yeah. Um, I believe that she originated that role on Broadway. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, and it shows. She's incredible. She, <laughs> she, is. Like, she is the heart of the movie. And mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I get emotional literally just thinking about her performance. Um, and so, yeah, I just I couldn't before we go into spoilers, I just have to say that, like, if you went and just saw her performance, it would be worth it. The theater ticket would be worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. Definitely. So we listed just about the whole cast. I think the only people <laughs> we, we really didn't list uh, are the two female love interests in this movie, um, which I think we can talk a little bit more about that in spoilers. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I I thought they were great. I just think character wise, they didn't stand out as much as uh, I kind of wanted them to. But um, overall, yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I will be listening to the soundtrack again. And I think um, I mean, I'll, I'll be watching the movie again as well. But yeah. in, in addition, I will definitely be listening to this soundtrack for sure. This is a movie that I think is going to be really great on for rewatches. Yeah. Um, I think it like I can be in the mood for it at any time and I will be ready to watch it with different people over and over again. Um, yeah, it's it's very, very appropriate for that. Um, and I'm ready to talk spoilers if you are. Let's get into it. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the two female leads of this film. <laughs> um, here's what I will say. The, um, the actress that played Nina... I really liked her performance, and I especially loved, like, I think her big song is called Breathe. I think Mm -hmm. that number was really special. I was a fan of it. Um, The actress that played Vanessa, I think they they both had amazing voices, and I'm really not even, like, um, upset at their performances as much as I am upset about that the storyline of that character not being exciting for me. Um, I don't know. How did you feel about that? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's less about them and more about their characters. I think, yeah, I think musically, uh, they were both great. I think their songs were, were good. I think, yeah, the story it's, it's interesting because, um, Corey Hawkins and Leslie Grace who played Nina, Nina and Benny respectively, they're, they had, I think more songs together than, um, 
Anthony Ramos and uh, oh, I forgot her name again. What's her character's name? <laughs> Vanessa is the character Melissa Vanessa. Barretta. Okay, yeah, the Usnave Vanessa romance doesn't get a lot of songs to develop, no. um, and so and one of their songs is really just them dancing with other people, and it's not really about them <laughs> even. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I I went through and like counted and the Benny and Nina story gets five songs and it's they're like real songs and um the usnave vanessa they they get three songs um and one of them is kind of a more uh combative song and so it it feels very weird that that you know that's the main romance that we're supposed to care about especially with the way that this movie ends um i was actually kind of surprised that it was like oh this is actually like a love story (laughs) supposedly the Um, reveal is really underdeveloped like yeah yeah so and especially so, because you know the way the film the romances are set up benny and nina it's kind of implied that they were dating before she went to college yeah and that he didn't want to like hold her back and and so they're rekindling maybe this grand romance which kind of right. adds that depth right mm-hmm. and usnavi and vanessa it seems like they haven't even been on a date yet technically yeah yeah. Like, and so this is the beginning of a grand romance, but it, you know, the first scene with the two of them in the bodega, like where they're, where he's nervous about asking her out and she's kind of flirtatious with him. Um, I think that was really promising. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that scene and that chemistry. And then it just didn't pay off at the rest yeah. of the <laughs> And yeah. And so that was a little disappointing. And, um, Especially when it's all leading up to this grand reveal of them married with this kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the combination of those two it was fell a little flat. Yeah. I think also what, what I really liked, because at the beginning, in the first couple songs, you kind of get uh, what Nina wants and what um vanessa want like Nina, you know, has, has gone away to Stanford and now is back and really just wants to be – with her with her family and like in her in her neighborhood in this place that she knows and vanessa wants the opposite of she wants to get away from everybody she wants to leave and so you kind of have these competing um kind of viewpoints and i was very interested to see that develop of these two people who came from the same place who are very who have you know opposite wants because i think that's something that's not explored a lot i think you get a lot of movies of someone who you know comes back and realizes that you know this is their hometown is the place where they always wanted to be and stories of people who want to leave and never come back and like finally get their chance to leave but you never get them in the same story yeah so i was was very excited about that to kind of see where that went and it felt like it kind of fizzled out i do feel like nina gets more of a kind of a resolution to that in Mm -hmm. that you know she can go back to stanford and still feel connected to her home and will and will eventually come back um to it but vanessa's was kind of like um i guess i'm just gonna do some uh you know some 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 clothing design here like it it there what they didn't feel like an actual um kind of resolution to what she wanted there was never um really yeah. an exploration of of her change of mentality there also the one of the jokes that really did make me laugh a lot was kind of calling out my frustration with the Vanessa character which is like 
during all these like big exciting musical numbers whenever she would show up it would like immediately go dour you know like, <laughs> yeah. and in the 96,000 musical number everyone's excited and talking about the possibilities and then she shows up and and it immediately gets serious yeah and <laughs> Usnavi kind of was like okay we were just all having fun like there's a joke in there really got me and but i felt that during so many numbers it was like yeah god here comes vanessa turning this fun song into a ballad you know yeah yeah <laughs> um and so that kind of just that was my main issue i think with the character in whole right that everyone else is having so much fun in this musical even nina like when she's mm -hmm. emotional about things can still like be in the moment right yeah and the vanessa character seemed a little like self-focused in a yeah. way that was <laughs> not as fun yeah. um i do want us to talk about also like just the different visual gags that i appreciated or that you appreciated yeah i think this this movie has so many people in it and a, it's a lot of group songs like you don't get a lot of like one-off somebody's just yeah. singing by themselves um or even duets like you get a couple duets but even still it's mostly big songs with big casts and you can just do so much with that of like cutting back and forth between people people walking through and there's a lot visually that you can that can happen like i mean ninety six thousand is like the standout visual feast <laughs> you so get to watch great. everything happening um but even like some of the smaller songs like um um, what's, what's the one when they're, uh, in the, I think, in the salon? no, no, no. Oh, it's in the blackout. Cause they, they go oh, from the fireworks song. Yes. Yeah. So they go from the club back to the house and it's a bunch of people kind of entering, coming back to, um, um, the, the, you know, the house where they all had dinner before and everything like that. And so it's just visually like that song is, I mean, it's not, it's not very long, but also like so much happens in it visually, yeah. um, that it's it's just fun to see all of these things happening, and so it feels very cinematic um, the whole time. Whereas a lot of the a, a lot of these songs, which makes sense to musical, kind of happen in one place. But having songs that kind of traverse the city, <laughs> yeah, is is exciting. I also, again, I I really like that John M. Chu is not afraid to just go for it and so much stuff and so many different numbers. You know, I think. And the little things that he is willing to, like, take a risk on and add that brought sort of a magical realism to this story yeah. really worked for me. So I loved the little dancing wigs in the salon. Yes. Um, I liked the the little animation that happened at the beginning of 96,000. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely adored the dancing on the side of the building. Um, yeah, when the sun goes, this is when the sun goes down, right? I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah, um, I think all of those to to take a small neighborhood in New York City and turn it into this very magical, big screen worthy event. Um, mm -hmm. You know, nor that we normally reserve again, like for movies with like superheroes or space films, where there is those there those special effects really shine for him to say like this story also deserves that kind of what those kind of wow moments. I really appreciate it. Yeah. 
I think a lot of what would normally be in the stage production, I think, comes out the most in Pacientia y Fe. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think that one where she's on the trains and like it's all of this dancing, all, all of that feels like, oh, this is very similar to what it would be like mm-hmm. in the musical. Um, on stage but it doesn't feel like oh you're just filming it this way like totally. there's a lot of stuff that is very specific to um you know the screen um and so it, I, th- I feel like it ends up blending the best of both worlds <laughs> there um and i think that happens too in the the it won't be long now song at the beginning when she's kind of talking about her dream for mm-hmm. vanessa's talking about her dream of Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of of moving downtown and you you get like the the rolls of cloth coming over the you know the sides of the buildings yeah. in this kind of like fanciful way and like i i can see some of that probably happening on stage as well but it doesn't feel like you're just translating what was on sc- stage onto the screen it feels like it's elevating it in a um in a way that's very specific to this format which is just so fun to see <laughs> yeah um i mean i do want I don't want us to move on too quickly from uh, Pacienza y Fe because yeah, yeah. to me that's like – that is the moment where I was kind of like, is this movie winning Best Picture? It's so, like so good. That was um, definitely the most emotional moment for me for yeah. sure. I think it's beautiful storytelling in a con- – like to condense that much story into one song I think is incredibly impressive. I think that's – Lin-Manuel Miranda at his best, you know? Mm-hmm. I totally agree with what you said about how the way it was choreographed feels like, oh, I can see how this would play out on the stage. But that John M. Chu also, like, takes advantage of lighting and sets in really interesting and beautiful ways that make it worthy of, like, a movie adaptation, right? Yeah. Um, I love that he didn't fall into the trap of, like doing a montage of this character's life, you know, like mm-hmm. with a different actress and like showing, you know, um, doing a literal like montage of different scenes and instead kept it true to that musical with um, the same actress telling this story and seeing this older woman through the lens of being a young girl and her performing that at the same time, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really, really beautiful. Um, it's a standout number and the, you know, that actress is, does, performs it so beautifully and it's the, yeah, it's the number that I would, I would probably rewatch. And if, if I couldn't get people to sit down to watch the movie, I would be like, okay, well at least let's watch this scene. Yeah. That and 96,000 are the two, like, I yep. think standout numbers of the whole show. For sure. Um, how did you feel about the framing device of Usnavi telling the story to the kids. I think it was interesting. I think it, I think it, I think it worked for the most part. Again, the, the, like we said, the, the ending feels weird. So I think I tie a lot of it to that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like the idea of him kind of telling this story um, because a lot of it is, is this, this neighborhood kind of going away and this gentrification of it. And so him kind of passing on this story. I like that mindset. I also like, as you're going through it, you're like, well, at the end does, you know, I think he leaves. And I think if that wasn't the framing device, there's no way that you would ever suspect that he leaves <laughs> like just just because the whole story is built around this neighborhood like yeah. in your mind the whole time i feel like you would be like well he doesn't leave like obviously at the end he stays um and that kind of storytelling aspect lets you feel like there is some tension of i think he leaves he might leave you know 
So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it, the twist, quote unquote, totally got yeah. me. Um, yeah. The whole time I was kind of like, okay, so is the whole thing that like Vanessa comes to the Dominican Republic? Like, does yeah. he, you know, uh, how does this all play out? And so aside from the whole Vanessa aspect of the romance and not really feeling like it lives up to the ending, um, I did really like the way the ending played out with, the painting and the bodega and then seeing the <laughs> bodega transform into this like kind of tropical, um, you know, redecorated style of a store and seeing that he's like, you know, kept his dream, but then, but still like found the value in his home. And I, it, that worked for me as a whole. And, and the kids and the narration also really worked for me. Um, I think it gave, it added, you know, humor to the, to the movie and, also gave made it natural for moments like when he was able to list off like the female Latinx um, like figures throughout history yeah. that people yeah. should be aware of. Um, that's something that it's like, how do you naturally incorporate that into a movie like this? And I think they figured that out really well, like really perfectly how to do that. <laughs> the one thing about the ending, and this goes back to Vanessa, um, <laughs> <laughs> that it was such a, a letdown was you have I feel even mean just saying this, but you have her the whole movie, she wants to be a fashion designer. You're right, that's her dream. And then you have the scene where she finds the the spray painted cloth and she's inspired by that, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's this big reveal in the bodega of <laughs> her clothes. Yeah. And those clothes were not great. Not they, good. They were, <laughs> I mean, I think there were some that were cool, but the main one that she was standing right next right. to was like yeah. a neon pink suit that was yeah. really not great. Yeah. Um, and that was also after us recently seeing Cruella, where fashion is such – there were these really amazing – fashion moments and reveals where you as an audience member were like what these wow moments um and in a musical full of wow moments for her to make to reveal something and it be such a disappointment was yeah even in the theater when i was like high on this movie i remember being like oh no that is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a cool outfit yeah. and I think part of it is that, like, we don't know anything about her. So we don't know what her style is, like, what she's interested in. I mean, other <laughs> like, than what she wears, you know, you kind of get a sense of her her own personal style by, like, what she you get, wears. Yeah, you, you get a little bit of that. But but even this didn't feel like it fit that at all. It didn't no. feel like anything that she would wear. So I, I, I don't know what, what it was going for. And there, I feel like there are a lot of good costumes in this movie. Oh, I yeah. Think, I think they do a really good job of kind of putting that together. I feel like this is just kind of the one miss that it's like, this is supposed to be her dream and you don't really get an understanding of like, why, why this? <laughs> yeah. And so. I do think like there, the camera pans and there were other outfits. It wasn't just the one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And some of them looked more interesting, but we didn't get to see it in cl mm -hmm. close. So it, it's just, it was just a letdown. It was, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, Vanessa. Vanessa, yeah. you, you bring me down constantly in this movie. <laughs> the Vanessa character is probably my biggest issue with this film. Otherwise, though, it was such a remarkable time. Um, yeah. We're about to get a lot of musicals coming soon. We have Tick, Tick, Boom, which we've talked about. 
We have um, Dear Evan Hansen. We have <laughs> West Side Story. We have Annette, the Adam Driver. Um, oh, yeah. Marie and Cotillard film. Um, it's the year of the musical in a, in a big way. It's um, happening. And I'm very curious how if how the rest of the films that are coming out are going to compare to this one. It's hard to imagine West Side Story, another a film about like Latinx people in New York City, how that's going to compare to this and how that's going to feel fresh and innovative when we had in the Heights earlier this year, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And Dear Evan Hansen is probably a little bit more apt of a comparison being that that's a modern day musical that is being adapted for film in the way in the Heights is. And I'm not excited about Dear Evan Hansen. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, that's going to be, translating that music, that musical to a movie is uh, going to be rough, I think. I think yeah. there's some, some really sketchy parts of that that's going to feel weird to people when they see it, especially because of how old he is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, I would love if you get, I, if you do get to see this in a theater, Lucas, I would love to hear about if there's any difference in your reactions to it seeing on a screen. Yeah. I got to be honest. I probably won't see it in a theater. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what my first theater movie will be. Are you going to go see F9 in a theater? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's what it'll be. <laughs> yeah. I've already got my IMAX ticket bought and ready. Oh, gosh. That's coming up so fast. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like that's a great place for us to end, and we can let people know that that's what we'll be talking about next episode. Yes. Um, where can people find you, Lucas? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.